Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Good afternoon and welcome to Fishhawk Live in the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. And today we are joined by Captain Corey Elder from XTR Fishing Charters out of Erie, Pennsylvania. We are going to be talking some Lake Erie. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Well, it looks like uh, you guys got a little bit of weather in your area today. I saw on uh, Pete Alex's page they were showing uh, like 11 footers out there. A great day to do some surfing on Lake Erie. Yeah, it was awful tempting to break out the boogie board today. So uh, some weather going on out there, and we really appreciate you taking some time, and uh, hopefully you get a little rest out of the, one of these blow days and kind of some R&R and some family time. Uh, Corey, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your charter. So we're we're out of Erie, PA. Um, I run up, we pretty much run from ice out to usually the end of November, early December. Um, you know, we'll start the year off bass fishing, lake trout trolling, and then we get into the walleye for the part of the summer. And um, a good friend, uh, Damien, actually, he's been kind of my steelhead mentor and uh, trout mentor. We've been getting into that during August as well. And then we transition back into smallmouth and end the year jigging for lake trout. Pretty much all of November, that's where you'll find us. Yeah, so a real multi-species area there out of Erie, Pennsylvania. What What's kind of special and unique about that? I and mean, there's a lot of places on Lake Erie that people can go fishing. What's unique about your area? What's uh, What would make someone want to take a charter out of, out of Erie, Pennsylvania, compared to maybe some other destination on Lake Erie? Erie's, uh, the reason we really like Erie is it's really diverse. You know, we don't have the walleye like the islands do year-round. We do have a resident population, but... You know, our summertime, which is peak tourism season as well, we're just flooded with walleye. There's walleye everywhere. But we can start the year off, do a, do a soft start with some lake trout, do some trolling for lake trout in the spring. And it, it's uh, an incredible smallmouth fishery. Um, you transition out of the walleye towards the end of the year, and you know, you're back into the, you trout fishing. You can, you, you can jig for lake trout. Uh, you know, and we got the ice fishing too. I don't, I don't charter really on the ice. Maybe a handful of trips, and it's fun. You get out, do a lot of fun fishing through the ice, and it's just nice because you get a little bit of everything here. And you guys are also real close to the Presque Island area. Uh, tell us a little bit about that spot. <clears throat> Presque Isle is nice. One, it's a, it's an awesome tourist attraction. It's, uh, you, know, you get a blow day, you can hang out on the beach. There's beautiful beaches. They, they spend a lot of money in maintaining the beaches. Got amusement parks. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot for, for the family. You know, if, if, you know, the wife isn't into fishing or, you know, you, you know, uncle Joe doesn't want to go fishing. He can go to the wineries. He can go there, There's, it's, it's a tourism trap really. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome for, for the charters. You get a lot of people from out of town hotels everywhere um the springtime's nice presque isle it, it offers protection so you can get a what would be a blow day and you can go and hide out in the bay and there's steelhead in there in the springtime um 
the, the smallmouth fishery is just it's incredible and they'll usually hang around Presque Isle towards the end of June sometimes even 4th of July sometimes there's still smallmouth around the bay so you get to cancel a blow day for you know a walleye charter you might be able to talk them into hey you know you want to go jig for some smallmouth and sometimes people go for that so it's nice to have that backup yeah, very, very cool. Uh, if anyone's got any questions for Corey, you can put your sandwich down for just a second, type them in there, and uh, this show is just as much your show as it is our show. So if you got questions for Corey on that uh, Lake Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania area, or just on general fishing questions, go ahead and put them in the comments, and we'll get them to Captain Corey Elder. Tell us a little bit uh, about the structure in that area. What kind of things are you fishing when you're going out there to do some trolling this time of year? <clears throat> Um, near shore, it's nice. You know, we have that those shale, shale ledges, a lot of rock piles, and uh, we have. It's real cool. It's the we have the first trench, we have the second trench, and then that's on the west end of town. And on the east side of town, we have the mountain, which you know drops down into that hundred plus stuff where you can you can still get into some suspended walleye, and you drop the fish hawk down, you find that cold water, and you know you're steelhead fishing. Um, you know, we catch a couple coho or even, you know, Pete Alex, I don't know how many coho he's got. He's Atlantic salmon, you know, fish that aren't really known to be in Lake Erie right now. And, you know, he's, he's catching them on the, on the United States side quite well. So it's nice. You can, you can really do anything. We got 83 degree water near shore on top and you, know, you can find 48 degree water right now out deep. How, how deep does it get in your neck of the woods, Corey? Yeah, one thirty um, out out in front of Presque Isle. You can find you know one twenty five, one thirty. Then once you head over towards New York, you're, you'll get more into that one fifty. You know, you might find some lake trout now. Uh, a lot of our lake trout population is bumped out just a little bit over the line, but there's definitely lake trout in the United States in PA waters right now. Just there's not the big numbers yet. They'll start to show up. Um, in, you know, in a month or so, in, in better numbers, anyways. You know, you can definitely find them crawling around on the bottom out there. Typically, the you know we're fishing our fish are 40, 50 foot down a lot most of the summertime, and uh, you know unless the lake flips, some they'll they'll come up to the top or you might find them a little deeper. But for the most part, that's that's where we'll we're walleye fishing. All right, we're starting to get a few questions. And uh, speaking of walleye fishing, here's Rick. And Rick's a guy that watches the show often, and uh, he said he liked and shared the, the show already too. So we appreciate those shares and getting the word out on the show. But Rick would like to know, what's your thought on the walleye migration this year? I think uh, we kind of were handicapped right out, out of the gate. Um, this spring we had a lot of northeast blows, and you know, just over in Ohio they were crushing them and, you know, guys were catching, they were catching limits, but, you know, you were running every rod you could per customer to get there. And uh, I do think that the weather that we had this spring definitely hindered them from moving as quickly as they, they would. But we got a good solid two months of, you know, that fast and furious action. And I do believe it's, it's slowing down now. And you know, if we keep getting wind, these blows like we had the last 48 hours, I don't think we're going to have a, a good October bite. I, I think it's going to, halfway through this month, I think they might start to skedaddle a little faster than than we'd like for business. But, 
you know, hey, let's call the customers and say, hey, you know, just be be honest with them and say, hey, you might want to check into Ohio, you know, get with a charter in Ohio. All right, here's another uh, guy that watches the show quite a bit. It's Arlo, and Arlo wants to know, what's your favorite species to fish for? You know, I was never a huge trout fan, but, uh, you know, uh, Damien Kuzman over at Bay Rat Lures has been my mentor trout fishing, and, you know, you know I'm not going to lie, I definitely look up to Captain Pete. <laughs> so that trout fishing is a lot of fun. I, At the end of the day, the jigging for lake trout, it's probably my favorite thing to do. It's cold out. There's not many people on the water. Um, you, you just you feel like you're kind of out there alone. You know, you might see three or four boats out there on a weekday, and it's just nice and peaceful. You go jigging for them. You catch a lot of fish. They're easy to catch. Uh, I grew up bass fishing. I mean, that was that's what I did. I mean, I I was a bass fisherman. I was a bass guy, and I still have that. The sparkle, sparkles, the sparkly boat. <laughs> so that that's my kind of deal there. I want to get into some of that jigging later in the show, but uh, let's talk about that for a second. How did you kind of get from a, a bass guy to being this multi-species trolling guy? What was that transition and what was that kind of transformation like and, and what spurred you to do that? Well, I, I don't know if I bumped my head hard or... I don't know what happened, but uh, I sure did uh, transition. It was a hard transition um, out of that. You know, there's always that stigma, you know, oil and water. They don't seem to mix well. But I, I think there's a definitely select few the charters, especially, you know, in Ohio and PA and New York on Lake Erie, the, the multi-species guys that I, I think – I'm challenged to, to learn more. I, I want to grow. I want to do as much as I can. And especially from a business aspect, just take advantage of, of much of the season as you can to make money. But, you know, a lot of reading, a lot of watching videos, you know, peers, a lot of people teaching me stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I have idols. I look up to people and, you know, I learn a lot from others. You know, I, I, uh, didn't learn it all on my own. That's for sure. There was a lot of help. A lot of people helped me, and you know, I was, I was okay with that. All right. Uh, speaking of some help and some information, uh, here's Todd Redman. He's got a question that's uh, a little bit different than what we typically get here. He says he's a big drum fisherman on Lake Erie. Do you ever target them? And if so, what are your favorite baits for drum? It was probably probably four years ago is kind of a joke. I, I, I started advertising at freshwater drum trips and I got a pretty good poll of people from, from England, from, from, you know, uh, from Europe, these people that were big carp fishermen over there, they come over here and you catch 50, 60, we've had a hundred plus days on four, six hour trips going drum fishermen, uh, there's there, we have a series of pipelines, you know, anything near shore structure in the summertime, you know, you use your side scan, you just kind of troll around. You see a, a pack of carp, you know, you see a hundred of them and, uh, blade baits, anything silver. Um, you, you can catch a pile of them. We've had, uh, can some cancer research, um, charters where, you know, they, they, they keep, 50, 50 freshwater drum and I'm not exactly sure what they do with them. I know 
I know they said, you know, that, hey, we're going to eat half of these and the other half goes to cancer research. So it was cool. And I do get, there's a population of people that, you know, catch and release and there's people that eat them things and they like them, the small ones. Yeah, they're, they're definitely fun to catch. I mean, <laughs> they, they put up a pretty good fight and they they usually got some weight behind them and they're, they're definitely a good time to catch. And, you know, a lot of guys, that's what they want to do. They want to catch and release anyway. So what difference does it make? Right. You know, they're in, they're in it for the battle. Um, let's talk a little bit about walleye. So let's get back to walleye. Uh, you're going to go out walleye fishing, not today, but let's say this time of year. Um, what does a typical spread for uh, Captain Corey Elder look like if you're going to go out targeting walleye in Lake Erie? Once they go deep, um, I don't like to run a lot of boards. Yeah, I might run two boards aside. I My target is dipsy fishing. Typically, I just run, I'll run six dipsy rods and two rigger rods. Um, throw a cheater down your rigger lines or run stackers. But traditionally, I'm just, you know, you get in crisscross applesauce. You can turn sharp with those dipsies. Turn a lot sharper, you know, than you would if you had boards out. Sometimes I don't even put boards out. I, I definitely am a, I'm a size one Lord Jensen fan. Uh, it, it, it's just nice. It's easy fast turns, fast fish. If those fish, fish are active, you can really pile them up fast. Traditionally, I'll run this time of the year, I'll run spoons one side, and I'll run long shallow baits on the other side just to tr try to target, you know, is there, you know, little pin emeralds out there? Is there you know, a little bigger, like a, a smolt smelt, you know, it's trout species type of deal? So you, you can you can get both, both sides of baits. You know, if you're especially if you're going like tomorrow, we go out. It's going to be a blank slate. That you know, I don't know what's going on. I know the water temperature is dropping. It's already dropped eight degrees. Some of them fish might move in shallow, and I might have to toss some boards out and uh, you know run some really short leads and some skinny water. But for the most part, I this time of the year, I am a fan of running dipsies. It's easy and it's fast. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of your favorite spoons and stick baits, and what are some of the colors that you like to use in your area? I've been using a lot of, uh, you know, the, the purples. Um, I leave early. I leave the dock early, and a lot of people kind of kind of get on me about that. But, you know, I go out slow. Um, I, you know, if I, the moon, if I can see the moonlight, I'll, I'll follow the moon. If not, I'll wait till I get a little haze that I can see. So I run a lot of glow. Um, you know, if you're, you're next to my boat, I constantly, I got the big mag light and glowing them things. And especially in that big moon, you know, we had last, you know, two weeks ago, like those fish were on fire in the dark. And, you know, as soon as that sun come up, it slowed down. And by nine o'clock, the bite was pretty tough. Um, you had to, you know, the, the big boats were throwing out the full spread, you know, after that sun was up a good bit. They just, uh, they were feeding at night, uh, that moonlight buffet. What's that like for your, your clients to go out there in the dark and, and be yanking in walleyes one after another uh, in the moonlight? You know, if you get guys that have, you know, they're fishermen, they, they're, you know, fisherwoman, you know, they've been on the water before. It, it's usually pretty smooth. You know, I'll turn the deck lights on. Um you get into the tourism crowd it can be tough you know what if, if the bite's fast enough i'll just put two rods out each side just to keep it simple for them um 
I tell him, you know, hey, I'm like, you see the moon up there? I'm like, just kind of watch that rod, the moon. <laughs> uh, you, you talk about the tourism crowd. You've got a lot of different types of clients that come on. But uh, what are some of the challenges that you see fishing out of Erie, Pennsylvania? What are some things that, that you have to contend with as a captain fishing out of that port? <clears throat> you know, the weather, I mean, you know, the weather is a big thing. Um, you, you know, if any captain up here, you know, if you have a slow period and the, the, the great thing is, is, you know, he a softball tournament, a baseball tournament or any sports tournaments or any, you get a lot of these expo, we got these expo centers up here. And if they're full, your phone's usually ringing. Um, you got a lot of old time charter captains up here. They have a, they have a contact book that you can't touch. I mean, it's great. They're full. So there's a, there's definitely an overflow pool that, you know, if, if you were to start a business up here, there's plenty to go around with the tourism that comes in. And, you know, that, that definitely makes it, it's just a great place to have a business. There's just, there's so many people wanting to go fishing. So you, you've got uh, an area with a lot of boats. What is the pressure like in that area when you go out there? I mean, how many boats do you typically run into and, and what is that like? I mean, is it uh, kind of, of a battle type of deal or you guys kind of fall in line? It can be. Um, I think you, you there's a lot of situations where you'll come into there's a dozen boats coming into one spot and it gets to the point where really no one's in the wrong and it's like, okay, how are we going to avoid this? <laughs> so people start trying to get out of the way from each other. And sometimes there's colorful language. Sometimes, you know, the good thing, the thing that's really nice about having those multiple trenches here, um, you can, you can get out of those crowds. You can, you know, if you want to spend gas, you can get away from that. Uh, you know, you get into that first, that first drop, you know, there's fish everywhere. And, you know, by, by eight o'clock, there's, you can see boats every direction on the horizon. You can motor out of that. And you can go eight miles north and, you know, you can play on the other trenches. You can, you know, get up on the ledges on the down or the north or south side of those ledges and find the same deal. Usually you might have to look a little harder, but you can almost always find pods of fish and fish them that aren't pressured, but the pressure near shore is real. <laughs> All right. We're getting a couple more questions here. One from Captain Richard Hajeki from Crazy Yankee Sport Fishing. And he says, uh, do you find that the wave action makes the sticks better? Spoons shine more on a slick, calm day. What's, what's your thoughts there? I definitely, you get, we get those like two and a half, three foot waves. I, I think the stick bite's incredible, even on the inline boards. Um, I had to play around a lot, you know, starting out, you know, with releases and, you know, braid versus mono. I pretty much have it dialed in now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mono guy. I switched over. And uh, those wave surges, I, I think, I always notice the fishing's faster in the, in, when you get those surges of waves. And the same thing with dipsy fishing. I, I just think it just adds an action that you can't replicate on a calm day. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. How about the, the spoon end of it? Do you feel like the spoons are better on the calm day? That's something I, I've I've heard people talk about. I've heard people mention. I haven't found a, a hard correlation myself. Um, you know, I'd be interested to hear more, you know, hear more people's opinion on it. Uh, I typically run stick baits 
on my boards when it is under three foot. You know, if, if we typically when you get over three foot waves, a lot of times I'm not even out there anyways. But on those rough days, I do prefer running dipsies, but I'll run sticks and spoons. I'll run them out both sides and just kind of play with it. It just seems to change day to day. All right. Uh, speaking of dipsies, uh, Captain Richard's got another one on dipsies and jets. Do you find a certain leader length or minimum length that works best? When I run a lot of dipsies, and I used to run four dipsies aside, I'd try to keep it five foot, five and a half foot. Um, the less dipsies I run, I'll try to stretch that leader length out a little bit. But I, I mean, if it's a hot bite, I swear you could use a four foot leader. I, I like to tip six foot choosing my go-to six to eight foot especially um you know if i get the two dipsies aside and i'm running boards i'll run those leaders as long as i can comfortably and then uh you know trout fishing you know we're running 12 foot 14 foot leaders uh you know for steelhead and the mythical uh salmon in lake erie uh, they definitely like the those longer leaders definitely help all right, here's another one from Rick, and Rick wants to know, uh, do you run wire or braid with your dipsies? I run 30-pound uh, Power Pro braid. All right, simple enough there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of those those unicorn-type fish, Corey. Uh, you talked a little bit earlier about the coho in the lake and, and some you know the Atlantic salmon, I think, is really kind of looked at as, as unicorn, but... What do you see there, and what are kind of some of the trends in Lake Erie? Are you seeing more of those, less of those? What is that? What's going on there? I, uh, I've i talked to a couple. I've, I've heard different opinions on it. Um, I still, I will admit, I'm a bit of a rookie in the whole trout game. Uh, you know, again, Damien and I have been spending some time together, and, um, uh, you know, apples and oranges, you know, coming from walleye fishing. I know right now my boat's all rigged up for – for trout fishing, uh, you know, the long leaders, uh, in the morning, I, I run dark colors as the sun comes up, I switch to blues and greens and, and then you know, crazy, you get the oranges and just vibrant colors down there. Just, uh, and you, especially when you're below the thermocline, kind of you hit them UVs and, uh, you know, using scents and you gotta watch, you know, where's the breaks and the temperature, you know, there's in the morning, I, 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 do catch them in 70 degrees but once that sun comes up you almost have to be you have to be in the 50s yeah tell us a little bit about that uh you know that was kind of my next thing was was the steelhead fishing how, how does that differ from when you're out there chasing walleye <clears throat> the, the cool thing is you know out offshore you could run a walleye program and a trout program at the same time i mean you can keep your you know, if you're running boards, you can keep your board lines up high, get them out away from the boat. You're going to catch walleye. Um, you will catch a few of them bigger walleye down at that thermocline or below the thermocline. But, you know, all of them trout, uh, once that sun's up, they seem to really bury into there. And, and we've been running regular 60, 80 down, you know, and the thermocline's at 55. And that's where we're tearing the trout up. And you still, there's still trout or uh, walleye out there. So you could get two birds with one stone yeah you mentioned that that you're out there uh and that damien from bay rat is kind of your mentor with that what are some of your favorite bay rat stuff when you're out there chasing these trout uh buffalo bill 
Buffalo Bill 3.5 has been a killer in uh, with the sun up, and uh, he, they just they have those Ric Flair, Ric Flair. Actually, I don't know if I have any in the truck. We've been running those Ric Flairs in uh, green, uh, orange. The the bait is predominantly like a pearl white. Uh, the 3.5, it, it, that's been awesome. In the morning, we'll run some darker stuff. Uh, specific lure colors don't seem to really matter when it's dark out. Just something, you just want something dark. And, uh, you know, once you get a little light going down into that water, you can start to lighten up your baits. We run a lot of the... Uh, LXDs for walleye, you know, we'll run uh, the 2.5 spoons for walleye, and then uh, once I start, we get off offshore. The trout bite seems we seem to do a little better with the 3.5 spoons, but uh, yeah, I mean that, that's that's pretty much our bread and butter there. All right, uh, let's talk Lakers. I want to get get into that uh, late season stuff in a moment, but uh, when you're trolling Lakers, uh, what what are you kind of how are you targeting them what, when you're doing the troll by in the lake trout out there? We run a pretty simple program. Um, I, I I'm really I, I like cowbells. I know there's you know those I hear people talk about those slow death prism baits and. Um, I'll run two cowbells aside. I'll bury one rigger into the mud, and I'll keep one couple feet off, and I'll throw a couple dipsies out there if you can see any fish suspending, uh, or you can kind of target the steelhead too. But usually in the springtime, I'm going too slow to really get onto a good steelhead bite. Uh, I really like that. I can go 1-3. My max is usually 1-8, uh, just enough to get those cowbells to spin. And I'll run a spinning glow behind it or – like a 2.5 spoon on my dipsies i'll run mag spoons big salmon spoons very cool we got a question here uh coming in from youtube from michael warren and michael says uh, how deep have you caught lake trout in the summer out on lake erie in the summertime i mean if you were to target them now i you'd want to probably go 120 plus I mean, you know 120 to you get into that deeper water to find the deepest water that pa offers you know, you're getting out into that 150 foot and uh use your electronics uh if you don't have good electronics uh just go play in the mud i like it that you bring up electronics because we're going to get there in just a second you talked about uh fish hawk and the speed you're running a little while ago how about this one another one from rick uh, he wants to know what's the current like right now in the central basin what speed are you looking at on your fish hawk when you're out trout fishing 2.5, the uh, 2.8's been really good for trout fishing the last two weeks. Um, you know what that current tomorrow's going to be a whole different story. Um, just the way the wind's been blowing, it's gonna. I think we're going to have a northeasterly current uh, out deep, and I think in shallow, it's just going to kind of catch on to whatever the bottom of the lake is like where you're at. It might jet a little bit east or west. Uh, it's hard to say. It, after these blows, I just kind of play everything by ear. It's you're starting, starting fresh again. I, I do believe there's some fish starting to roam west. I, I think uh, these we keep getting these colder blows. It's gonna, it's gonna resort to the steelhead coming in closer. So things are things are changing as it does this time of year. I mean, that's it's the calendar shows September and things start uh, really changing out there in the water, but. 
tell us a little bit about some of the electronics you're running on your boat and, and why you run what you do. I, I'm a Lawrence guy. You know, I've been in the hummingbird. Um, you know, I don't think there's a, I don't think you can go wrong anymore with today's technology with anything. Um, my, I run a high speed 2D. Uh, I, I'm partial to the TM150. Um, I got structure scanned. I, I do a lot of shallow stuff. Uh, I found a structure scan. Actually, even walleye fishing, you can you can see those suspended fish on there quite well. But I, I'm a 2D guy when it comes to walleye. Uh, you know, in, in, in deep water, you know, trout fishing, I'm going to be looking at my 2D. But uh, the you know, structure scan, side scan, uh, you know, whatever the manufacturer calls it, that you're partial to, it's worth its weight in gold. You know, if you're bass fishing, if you're you know, you're jigging for lake trout, you're just looking for off, you know, near shore structure, and you, know, you can see those fish on there. You know, look like submarines. Like you know, we were looking for drum in the summertime, I and mean, looks like there's a hundred carp below the boat. Uh, you know, off to each side, and it, it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, dialing in for the side scan. I mean, it's you know, you spend an hour with it, you can probably master it. You just have to know what you're looking for. And a lot of people new to side scan, they just don't know what they're looking for. They're used to seeing you know, these big arches. You know, now we're looking for Spanish rice and rice. Well, let's uh, let's talk about that. You just brought up something that that I really want to talk to you about, and that's uh, jigging for lake trout and that late season bite. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that's like in your area, and uh, all I can say is what I've heard is it's epic. So let's hear about that. It, it is epic. It, it's just, it's pure insanity. Uh, you'll go out there, and as far as targeting, I mean, if you're new to it. As a bass fisherman, you're pretty much looking for the structure that you would if you were bass fishing. You're looking, you're looking for big breaks and shale, uh, crevices and rock piles, stuff that those trout think that their eggs might stand a chance of surviving in a uh, storm. So their eggs are just going to kind of silt down into the cracks in the rock or cracks in the um, shale. So big shale beds are a good place to start. You know, if you know a shale bed that has rock piles on it uh, that, that that's even better uh you should go side scan it if there's not fish there don't waste your time fishing it you know go try to find the fish and once you find them you know you're in their living room they're you're gonna upset them you know you're gonna you throw something at them they're gonna eat it but we're pretty partial to um blade baits use a lot of three eighths ounce blade baits a lot of times that time of the year the water is stained gold is a great color um, you get into some bucktails, quarter ounce. Um, there's really no need to use anything heavier. Uh, we've played around with scents a little bit, but I found that those fish don't don't want um, predators near their near their eggs. So I, I feel you could probably use just about anything to catch them. We're just we're real partial to using the blade baits. It's easy. You can tell a customer, hey, you know, drop it to the side of the boat, jig up, you'll go up that flutter and let it fall real slow. And then with the bucktail, just hit the bottom and jig it up 12 inches, hit the bottom and repeat until you're drag screaming. 
Well, that's that's just basically your your fishing a reaction bite down there, and they're they're jumping at what you got. What are we what are we using for rods and line and that type of thing? I use all bass gear. I I really like the seven foot medium action. Um, I'll use twenty foot backing braid or twenty pound backing uh, on my braid, and then my leader. You don't. I found that you know. I found that that doesn't even matter. I, I've tied it straight to the braid. And, I saw zero difference in success, but it's still in my mind. Um, I use 16, sometimes 20 pound leaders. It doesn't seem to bother them. All right. Uh, you got to let me know what it's like to pull on a big lake trout in 20 feet of water on bass gear. <laughs> it, it, it can, it can take some, I started using heavier line because I wanted the customers to catch more fish. Um, 109 and six hours is, is the record for my boat and uh, 76 and four hours. And the only way you're going to get that many fish to the boat in that short of time is using heavier line. Um, you know, if, if you, you can go on to 10 pound test, but you have to set your drag according and it's going to take you 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes plus to, to, to get them in. Just, you, you break your line if you try to horse them. And it sounds like you probably better prepare with a protein shake or two before you go out there. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do it one day, and then it's just all customers. I, like my forearms tired. I'm, I'm like, it's all you guys. <laughs> uh, Rick's Rick's got one. He wants to know if you use Active Target when you're jigging. Or live. I don't. I live boats with it. It's incredible. It's. I'd say. I'd say. If you're gonna get it, if you're you're on the fence about it, get it. I'm just, I'm kind of caught in my ways already, even at a young age. When I am jigging, I have five thousand waypoints on my my GPS for PA waters. I don't know how many thousands of dollars I've wasted in gas. Um, the only advantage for me is to see exactly where the fish are, but I'll use a side scan and I mark those fish. I go downwind of them kind of you know like you're bow hunting you just want to creep up on those fish and i know where they're at i'm gonna just use my casting rings you, you set up a 30 foot 40 foot 50 foot you, you get accustomed to that on shore um go in a parking lot and measure it out cast 50 foot now you know where your casting rings are on your gps and you're going to be in the ballpark where those fish are all right, uh, here's another one from Arlo, and Arlo wants to know, what's the strangest thing you've caught while jigging for Lakers? Well, due to legality, I will word it. Um, we came in contact with some sturgeon. <laughs> and uh, there's a couple spots that I won't even take customers to anymore because I, I think that ethically, it's like I, I know the sturgeon are there, and I, you know, I, I have no... I don't want any attention from, from law. I don't want to look like I'm targeting them, but uh, there's a couple areas out there that there's sturgeon. Um, eight foot long, six foot long, I don't know. They're, I see them once they come to the boat, they, they scare me. I'm like, I don't want to go swimming with those fish. I know they're vegetarians for the most part, or they eat dead fish, but that's probably the strangest thing. No shoes or tires or anything like that? 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've caught some bizarre, uh, you know, shower curtains that had some stains on them that just didn't want to know about. I, you know, I did my part and kept it in the boat and threw it away once we got to shore. But yeah, I've caught some weird things, some, um, you know, inappropriate items uh, I've snagged before, you know. You're 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 in the uh, you're the sweeper. You're you're the street sweeper there in that shallow water. You never know what you're gonna snag. <laughs> well, let's talk about footballs. Uh, the smallmouth bass in that area are also legendary, and uh, we've talked about using bass gear. How about the smallmouth? Uh, when does that really turn on, and how do you go after those big footballs, uh, smallmouth that I keep seeing on your Instagram? Usually, um, so the ice will melt. Uh, well, me and a couple buddies will play around with perch. It's usually a couple weeks. Um, it's not fast and furious, but you can get onto a blade bite, and then you know you get into forty degrees, um, forty-five degrees. That blade bite will really, it'll really kick on. Um, Steel Shad makes these minis. Uh, they're um, we typically go for the three-eighths ounce, uh, a quarter ounce. I've never really used anything larger. <clears throat> you, color spectrum, you're just kind of matching the water. If you're in real clear water, that sexy shad, uh, steel shad's money. Uh, once you get to that muddy stuff, I'll, I'll go back to gold. Or, you know, you could use a perch or something, you know, that just has a little more uh, into that color spectrum of the muddy water. But that's a lot of fun. Once the blade fight will slow down, uh, you know, the old Ned rig, uh, you know, tubes little finesse jigs and you know it'll progress into the drop shot bite and you could pretty much follow this fish out of presque isle after the spawn and that bite closer you get to new york line it, it heats up and right now there's our smallmouth fishing is tough right now uh, i don't know if the walleye bullied them up into new york or out into they're just suspended to there's a lot of guys struggling for it right now, so we just we don't target them in August just because of success rates. But I'm sure there's someone out there catching them. There always is. Then uh, in the fall, uh, you know, once they start to feel that cold water coming in, they they start to pack on the pounds for winter, and they know what's coming, and that you know the blade bite will turn on again, and that's a lot of fun. Um, you same thing, you know, you're using your side imaging. You're looking for those those bass, even in the areas you catch the lake trout. They they kind of share that same structure, and uh, yeah, the blade bite in the winter time is a lot of fun. All right, uh, here's uh, your buddy Caleb Cop says he loves some fat footballs. <laughs> oh, Caleb, he's Caleb's a fisherman. Yep, he's uh, he's out there doing it. And one of the things uh, I kind of wanted to talk to you about, and, and it's fun that, that Caleb came out at that time. Uh, you, I'm following you guys on Instagram and, and you're, I just, the way I described it is you're just killing it out there on uh, in Instagram right now. You're a really fun follow. You got a lot of cool stuff going on. Looks like a good time on the boat. You're somehow getting old white guys to dance on the boat to music and all kinds of fun stuff. Tell us about uh, kind of what you've got going on on Instagram right now. So, uh, what is it? Lennox, Annie Lennox, uh, walking on broken glass. That song just kind of stuck, and customers love it. Once they, once that song starts, they just start dancing. It's, it's bizarre. I don't know what it is. People that, I, you ask their wives, they'd be like, 
you know, I saw your husband, my husband on your uh, social media story dancing. He hasn't danced since our wedding. It's Annie Lennox. It's not me. It's Annie Lennox walking on broken glass. <laughs> yeah, you would never think it was that song. But, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, you've got a, a party out there. And I think if people want to have a good time out on a charter, I mean, obviously, we want to go catch fish. But if you're looking to have a good time, it, it looks like you guys are, are definitely doing out there. And I just wanted to say uh, good job to you guys for doing all that stuff. Well, thank you. I, I greatly appreciate that. All right. If somebody wants to go out and have a good time with uh, Captain Corey Elder, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh, give me a jingle. It's 724-679-4510. We're, you know, we're on a lot of social platforms. Uh, our website, we keep it up to date every other day. It's, it's xtrfishingcharters.com. And uh, did you have anything you wanted to talk about, Corey, that I didn't ask you about? Is there something you wanted to bring up? Nothing I can think of. I, uh, I'm i looking at Chick-fil-A right now. It's, I can see it down the road. And I have, a, I have a slight addiction to their spicy chicken deluxe. The spicy chicken deluxe. Don't forget a little Polynesian sauce to kind of give it a little zing, and, and you'll be good to go. Uh, thanks so much for taking time out. And uh, in your neck of the woods, it's 1:42, so it's pretty late to get that spicy chicken deluxe. I want to thank everybody who watched today too. A little lunch hour show today. We decided to check it out and do it on the daytime to kind of make everybody's schedule work today. So uh, really appreciate everybody for coming on and watching, listening. For Corey Elder, I'm Chris Larson. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.